Alrighty, welcome to Monster Talk, episode two. Tonight we're talking about the Phoenix. Uh, the comes from ancient Greek mythology, as far as I know. Uh, that's what my little research found. Um, this is your host, Fortuan, joined by co-host uh, Impending Doom. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. And co-host Tuesday, fantastic. Doing pretty good myself. Awesome. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Phoenixes and tabletop RPGs, and you know, mythology and the like. Um, uh, this was uh, your favorite Doom. So yeah, I suggested it because I've been a long time fan of them as a mythical creature. I think that they're pretty sick. Everybody has, I mean, anybody who knows about it, the first thing you got to think of with it's just the cool, fiery reincarnation, resurrection aspect, and I think that'd be a lot of fun to play with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many fun things that, um, well, even a lot of video games deal with phoenixes. I mean, phoenixes not active, like not in the forefront of Final Fantasy, but everyone knows what Phoenix Down is in that game, so... Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it's a very prevalent creature in a lot of media. Um Harry Potter even has a phoenix and that kind of stuff. And one of the few monsters that I feel Harry Potter does justice. <laughs> That's true. Uh but like yeah, no, the phoenix is is a really powerful cultural icon and like I feel like it's uh like obviously a lot of people know the phoenix as it is, but like I think when people hear the word phoenix in normal life not uh, tabletop talk. I don't. I don't even know if they think about the the like fiery bird that everyone just imagines when you see a phoenix. They they might think more of its symbolism of like how it's a how it reincarnates and how it represents like a mm-hmm. new life and uh, all that stuff. And of course, I'm sure they do think or about Arizona. the monster and Arizona. Yeah, like. I don't know, just lots of, it's just, it's a very prevalent part of lots of different cultures, and it has a ton of different uh, connections associated with it. Yeah. Right, a much, much less obscure monster than a hydra. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, ancient Greek mythology. I've, be, I've been mm-hmm. able to find references to it in, like, Chinese mythology and Egyptian mythology as well. So it's, yes. it's a pretty widespread creature it wasn't just localized to one specific area that's like what if we had a multi-headed snake sure no yeah that's very true um that was just my quick search uh <laughs> personally but yeah it does appear and we do see it in chinese especially if you've watched the uh the newest disney disaster of mulan yeah it's showed in that i did not know that because i did not want to watch a disaster yeah, I was like, I know I've seen the animation Mulan. I I don't need to see the live action one. No thanks, please no. So I have two kids. Um, so this is why I see a lot of Disney movies. Um, and we have Disney Plus, and um, we ended up watching it because it finally wasn't thirty dollars. It was free, for you know, well for having Disney Plus at least. So whatever that costs. Um, yeah, the Phoenix is is basically Mushu's replacement. But imagine if Mushu just showed up in two frames and never said anything. <laughs> it's not Mulan. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, they do talk about the rebirth, though, quite a bit. It is a theme of, uh, especially because the Phoenix is her sort of guardian, which is what Mushu was. Mushu was supposed to be her guardian. Um, 
Yeah. And you do see the Phoenix sort of like overwatching kind of deal. And yeah, the Pokemon has actually two references to Phoenixes uh, in both Moltres and Ho-Oh. Ho-Oh, right? Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Close enough. I think Ho-Oh is probably the better one, given that it's like canonically a figure with resurrecting capabilities. But I mean, Mm -hmm. Moltres is probably closer to the classical Phoenix in appearance. Sure. So yeah, um, I, I guess I let's, let's get into... Oh, good. That happens. <laughs> Even if... I, you know, I'm so just bad part at this. Online nature. No, it's okay. I, literally, this is your second time. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> I've been doing this for three years. I still do it with Morg. Morg and I talk over each other all over the time. Like, it's it just happens. Um, yeah, thanks. So, uh, like, when we think of a, a Phoenix... Um, like obviously we think of the fire we think of rebirth uh what else like uh you know if we're going to throw this at players or we're fighting them as players what do you think when you encounter a phoenix like what what are your thoughts is like using them i guess so something interesting that came up during my research was that like phoenixes are very closely associated with spices actually um so like cinnamon Hmm. nutmeg um other spices that i forgot but like they like a lot of uh, different myths say that they build their nests out of these spices that they'll then die in. And I just, I found that really interesting because I feel like that's not something that is touched on very much anymore. Yeah. I, I think, I I think some of it, myself, so. some of it back during the time might have been potentially like the connotations of spices and wealth. Maybe it's kind of like an extra thing to be like, mm. look how fancy this bird is. Like, it is the, like, look at this. It's like a really rich bird. It's not only is it powerful and reincarnating, but like. Some some interpretations of the phoenix have it with golden, uh, like just gold elements to it. Yeah, sure. Uh, There, there's a lot of, like a lot of ways that, um, so when I wrote the ecology, which by the way, I figured this out. This was um, the ecology I wrote right after Hydras, coincidentally, um, back in the day. Like, it was the next one I did. I was like, that's a weird coincidence. But um, um, one thing I, I pointed out in the aesthetics is something just I know I noticed from interpretations of many phoenixes across, you know, fan art, uh, ancient interpretations and all that kind of stuff when I did the research back then, is it's sort of like a cross between, like, an eagle where you have, like, the power sort of like power of flight kind of stuff, but then also a pheasant in its coloration and its frilliness. So it's, it's both supposed to be like regality and, um, you know, power at the same time. So it's like a conglomeration of a couple different birds in a lot of aesthetics. How it was, how it was presented. And, and one of those is definitely a more frilly aesthetic of like a pheasant, especially in the feathering and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying about uh, talking about how players might uh, view it in a game of uh, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons or a similar uh, tabletop RPG, and um, I think it really depends on what approach you want to take with the Phoenix. If you're taking an approach closer to like Harry Potter, I like the idea of the Phoenix being uh, being the not quite a pet, but a companion of a of an influential character like Dumbledore. 
it shows that they are someone you can trust because the phoenix trusts them. Uh, but then there's the mm-hmm. then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you have a phoenix as an enemy, someone that you're going to fight and kill. And I mean, the phoenix that is a companion, very very different from the phoenix that is a an enemy. And that kind of phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even uh, like. There's there's different interpretations even within just the band of you're going to fight this. Yeah. I mean, and I guess when I personally try to use them in a game, I keep in mind, isn't they, aren't they good? Aren't they like celestials or something? Or are they elementals? Yeah, they... I'm they, pulling up the stat sheet, so I don't have it right now. There's a couple interpretations. There's actually a couple. Um, so the one that I use for my influence mostly is as an elemental that is positive uh, as well. as good, but it's still an elemental, um, which elementals traditionally are neutral. Um, in, in the sway of good and bad in the D&D universe. Um, um, which is what I wrote it for originally was D&D, but now it's more system agnostic, uh, which is, you know, where we want to keep the show as well. You know, mm-hmm. so people can use it outside of just D&D. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've seen interpretations of it being both magical beast, elemental, um, and, you know, purely a physical thing versus purely an energy being um, yeah. as well. Yeah, so what I'm looking at right now, yeah. Um, so at least for 5e, they look at it as a good creature. So mm-hmm. instead of, I mean, if you're going to have it fight players as a good creature, you're going to have to set up the encounter in an interesting way that I think could probably make for some interesting moral dilemmas if you want to start touching on those with your players. So having, like... yeah. Usually in mythology, there's only one phoenix at a time, and it has to go and like burn itself in its special nest or whatever in order to properly reincarnate. So perhaps mm-hmm. having players in some way have to go through a phoenix could try to make them get creative and either try to talk to it and persuade it, or if they go to fight it, I mean, they go to do so knowing that this is probably one of the only of its kind if not the only of its kind and you might potentially end up stopping it from reincarnating if you're not careful so what situations eliminating it from existence (laughs) unfortunately yeah what situations would happen then to get you in conflict with a phoenix if we're going by the oh the good a good being that only like two exist total I don't know. I think maybe there's a chance they have to go, like, I don't know. Say you have a party trying to go get some treasure that's hidden in this, like, sacred temple. And maybe there's, like, I mean, maybe the phoenix is kind of territorial and doesn't realize the party's not meaning it any harm or anything. And it's trying to kind of protect itself and its home and whatever goods it's got with it. And maybe it's Mm -hmm. all just a misunderstanding, but... Because I think it's kind of jumped. uh, I think even that kind of phoenix would be very non-confrontational, though, because if the phoenix is a creature that only reincarnates if it has a nest, um, interpretations vary, of course. uh, But for this specific phoenix, if it only reincarnates with a nest, if people come and start interrupting it, it wants to get away. (laughs) Bless you. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. I still my, uh, think with- my interpretation 
sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I still think there's probably a way in which you can set it up, but yeah, that probably isn't it. But should you be able to properly set it up? I think you could make some interesting moral decisions for your party where they have to kind of get creative or at least think about what they're doing for a moment, kind of pause from the standard, like, here's what we're going to do and let's do it. Right. Um, for, for my interpretation, um, I actually have multiple Phoenixes uh, in my, you know, headcanon universe for D&D that I use, um, which I actually have a name for it called Lymora. Actually, that's what the Tuesday games that I run in uh, go through. And a lot of this, this world is sort of built on the ecologies I've written. And one of the things I, I talk about is, is there's multiple Phoenixes. Uh, and they actually, in my interpretation, because they are uh, came from Dungeons and Dragons as a base, and I had, took them as elementals, but I took them as a finite force in the universe. Like there is a finite number of them still, because a they don't need to reproduce because they're just always reborn, right? So you know, like they wouldn't have any reason to interact with another phoenix for a other thing. But to talk about like the moral dilemma aspect, I do label uh, the majority of them as good. Um, where um, what I what I did for uh, their mentality is a phoenix doesn't just want to be good and just do good um, in their sort of little circle. They actually go out and seek good deeds to be done or protect a certain area uh or, or like a larger area or you know sort of attach themselves to like like it's say a kingdom or a community or that kind of thing and sort of protect it that's why they're seen as like sort of guardians of certain things uh in in, in the you know my interpretation in the universe that i did and you could actually have a conflict of, well, we need to go against this kingdom for the greater good, but the Phoenix is so goal-focused on what they have done that anything outside of their goals is, they have, uh, I said they have a very black and white morality and that they don't see, you know, they don't see anything but, okay, what you're doing is bad in my interpretation, so I will stop you. They'd get um, along well with gold dragons then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> would, which I'm actually currently still writing. Um Ooh. taking a long time on gold dragons. Um they're fast. Yeah. So very they are. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I took a very black and white approach to their morality because they um from birth they're like, I want to go find something to better the world. Let me go do that. And then they go and do that. Now um I like the idea I had never considered having of just one. Um, from me coming from an ecological standpoint, that doesn't really make sense to just have one of a creature. Um, so that's why I went with multiples. And I also always have variations as well. Yeah. Um, one variation that uh, it can be seen in popular media. If you ever play League of Legends, there is a cryo phoenix, which is a phoenix of ice. Um, that is a really popular or used to be a popular character. Um it was one of my mains. <laughs> um, so stuff like that. Like I, I very much enjoy, I like the idea of very much like a moral dilemma of how do you interact usually as an assumed good party, right? You do have bad parties too. And that's just the easy answer. They're bad guys. The Phoenix is there to stop them. Like that's a, that's a, that's an easy setup for a bad party or maybe a neutral party that is, uh, 
dipped their toe into not not the <laughs> the wrong side nice of the path. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I say those are the easy answers, but yeah, if you have a good party against a good phoenix, there is some. Uh, there is still difference of ideas that you could do, difference of ideals, um, so, difference of opinion. So what I'm thinking is phoenixes are mm-hmm. another thing that we should have touched on earlier, uh, but is okay to talk about here, is that phoenixes, like, uh, body parts are usually associated with, like, healing, immortal oh. life, and, like, all of these other aspects about them. Like, a phoenix tear in the Harry Potter universe can mm-hmm. heal any wound, um, like, these phoenix feathers are really important. I know a lot of the mythology surrounding phoenixes is about kings trying to hunt them for so that way they can get immortal life, and they yeah. would often get punished for trying to hunt these phoenixes in some way or another. And so I think if a good party were to have a confrontation with the phoenix, it would be a lot more roleplay focused than uh, simply hack and I'd slash. Hope, yeah. <laughs> yes. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. I think it could be really so, interesting too if it's like maybe a party comes to approach a phoenix for help with like I don't know maybe they have like a mortally wounded friend with like dying from like some disease that's largely considered incurable, and I don't know. I feel like a misunderstanding there might mean that they have to either talk it out or if your party's a little bit of a murder hobo group, uh, <laughs> you just kind of see where mm-hmm. it goes from there. I think we've all been through murder hobos before. I mean, Unfortunately. and it it could be a good party who just like, well, I mean, we're all we're all nerds. Maybe they were just really bad at saying things to the phoenix and pissed it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a social awkward group. Okay. <laughs> we only want your feathers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that I like, um, is I tie, I I like to think of tying their positive energy. So like for me, again, I, I tied it in them as elementals. So they're like positively infused fire is the way I interpreted them. And the reason why their healing properties exist is because essentially when they're giving you a feather, they're giving you essentially a piece of their positive energy that positive energy is usually in, in at least in the D and D universe and Pathfinder as well, seen as healing magic. Essentially, it's positive energy is healing. So, um, what if phoenix that's feathers? What, that's the way I interpreted. What if phoenix mm-hmm. feathers are used in the brewing of healing potions, or at least have the to be stronger really healing powerful. potions? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say you could probably use that as a powerful version of potion, a potion, but. Um, if you say we're, if they're the key ingredient to a potion, those potions are probably very rare. Oh, God, or maybe yes. you just get a diluted. You just uh, run it through several batches of potion making and just dilute the feather every time. Uh, kind of like, um, what was it mozzarella that like, is, is that the cheese that everyone has like a, a grain of like the, the whatever old one was and they take a piece of it and send it off to another part of country and it's like the mother cheese for that country you guys know about that stuff? <laughs> I don't know no, that but it sounds wild I'll have to research mozzarella um, so yeah so ba- I think I know it might, there's a lot of cheeses that, that work this way but basically there's a base right there and this happens in some other baking things too is you have a base and you sort of grow off of that base and when that base is 
big enough, you then use that portion to make whatever you want to make as far as like the cheese or anything goes. Um, and then you still have that base and then you can share that base eventually if it gets big enough and like cut it in half and like, Hey, I'm going to have my base go to Italy or like America. There's actually like, I don't know if it's mozzarella in particular, but there is, there are cheeses that work that way that are like, it's a 150 year old base all cheese in this region of America comes from this one base. Like, that's wild. Uh, yeah. it's, so it's probably the same bacteria they're using to culture it over and over. Yeah. So I want to relate this to Phoenix's now just because it sounds fun. <laughs> what if like yeah. the, the original cheese Phoenix, the cheese Phoenix, and the cheese Phoenix, <laughs> as it flies, just... nachos drip from its wings. Yeah, that's what I was imagining, oh honestly. Gosh, it's it's just top... nacho cheese phoenix. If it's I hope you know that's it gonna be the podcast to image be now. Sponsored by Taco Bell. It's just the Taco Bell Phoenix. <laughs> the, I'm sorry, but that's the image you're getting for this podcast now. The ringing of the bell is it hitting the bell. <laughs> the cheese phoenix. I love it. <laughs> Uh, but um, no, like yeah, I what, guess what I was gonna say was could... the the base like uh, being all this thing. What if there's like a base phoenix that uh, is the true immortal phoenix, um, and like when it when it's killed, it just simply reincarnates on the spot. But maybe it's children it has mm-hmm. because it has to have children with other birds uh, since it is the only phoenix. Uh, what if their children are impure and have to make a nest? in order to reincarnate. I really like that. And I also really like the idea of a cassowary phoenix because that sounds terrifying. Yeah, I mean, like, phoenixes in, like, have so many different birds that they can draw from. I know I made a list earlier, and Mm -hmm. let me see if I can uh, find it. Oh, man, any terror bird mixed with a phoenix, because I did that terror bird oh, article. Yes. Any of the terror birds. A rock mixed oh. with a phoenix. Oh, oh God. The that's phoenix a rock. big boy. Yeah, yeah that's a big phoenix. <laughs> I, I I just, I want to imagine, because um, what was the one? I love that ecology. I can't remember its name. There's... One of the terror birds is like a 10 foot tall, just killing disaster and like putting that, like just making it fiery and then cause they're flightless. Right. So now it's a Phoenix. Now it can fly. So just imagine this hook build, like dive bombing, badass Phoenix. is just like murders. Oh, I just thought of something. Uh, dinosaurs are related to birds. I will leave it at that. <gasps> T-Rex mm-hmm. Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so many fun possibilities with this. Second episode we've mentioned dinosaurs. Tall. Oh my god. Dinosaurs are never I leaving. I wouldn't be surprised if dinosaurs Yeah, I don't be surprised if they come up every episode. Like <laughs> maybe not, but yeah, I mean, come on. We're we're, we're Monster Hunter fans, right? I mean Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaurs. It's a thing. <laughs> I, I really Phoenix. like that. That's cr- that's that's good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely so, throwing yeah, a is... T Rex Phoenix at my players one of these days. That's just too good to not do. 
Oh um, yes, mm, please. And you could you could base it off a of Devil Joe with like especially Savage Joe, mm-hmm. where it's like burning out of the eyes and stuff, and yeah. And then they kill it, and it reincarnates in front of them. Like, oh no, <laughs> we've made Just it slightly angry. Smaller. Just only slightly smaller. Yeah. So that's about the like the physical form of the phoenix. Um, mm. What else do we want to say about that? Um, one of the things that that I put in uh, is them having a uh, a sphere of radiant energy and heat that they could con- expand and contract based on what they they are, but it would take uh, energy of themselves to do so. So um, one of the things I, uh, that I that I thought of because when I do when I do my ecologies, I always try to think of unique interpretations of of ways of using monsters and explaining things and whatnot so what i thought is essentially how does a phoenix quote-unquote naturally die right so we see this in harry potter where the phoenix had basically died of old age um and it sort of fell to ash and then was an egg uh, essentially after that um and i i started thinking about that even though again harry potter for me i just i mostly don't like that series because of how dirty they did the basilisk (laughs) <laughs> yes oh my god i mean i was still scared as a second grader so I, it worked for me but i definitely did not know the history of basilisk until dungeons and dragons yeah um i'm over it now that was like the high school nerd rage coming out in me when when that happened i was like that's wrong and it should be yeah, like I, i'm a little better about that now but um essentially you know i thought about okay so how do you think of a phoenix dying of old age right it's been around for thousands of years right so the way i thought of it is there and and again i was pulling from the elemental side of a phoenix versus a physical thing um essentially energy has a limit right so i saw the egg as a battery so it is recharging its energy when it's in the egg form and the longer it's in the egg form, the longer its lifespan is going to be when it's outside of the egg. So um, one of the things that I that I thought of is, OK, so how do you use that energy as well? Not in just being, but like the radiation of heat and both positive energy they could create like an aura around themselves or contract it. So if they're in a civilized area, they might want to contract it so they don't just burn every building around them. But if they were let's say in a dire situation surrounded by enemies, you know, a burst of flame all around them would help take care of that as well. So that was, that was one way that, um, that I saw Phoenix as having an ability to do something more offensively and sort of defensively in, in the manner of not harming others, even though it is positive energy, it's still fire. So <laughs> it will still will destroy things. Were you imagining it as like an aura or like a burst of energy? Or do you think that the Phoenix is capable of both? Uh, I would say I originally imagined it as an aura, but I could see a burst being a, a good interpretation as well. Just a release of energy. And I, I did denote that doing such things could, in although infinitesimally, um, do affect its lifespan because they are expending energy of their beings and themselves. I like that. And killing a phoenix would basically just saying you've expended its energy. It's no, it's got to recharge now. Um, and when it, uh, I did do a thing of when it hatches, it's going to erupt in a fireball and shoot up into the sky and be born into a phoenix. Uh, and unfortunately, if you prematurely hatch an egg or break the egg, 
in the process of charging or, you know, just being, uh, it would be a smaller Phoenix and have less of a lifespan. Okay. So. Uh, well, I think now is a good time to start talking more about the energy Phoenix. The, the interpretation that mm-hmm. I noticed in uh, Volo's Guide to Monster, uh, Monsters, which I found surprising at first because when I opened up the Monster Manual, I expected a you know, a physical bird that just had fire elements, not just fire in the shape of a bird. Yeah, living uh, fire. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the more I, the more I uh, learned about the phoenix and like the more I learned about all its possibilities, I kind of like the idea of just like an elemental phoenix. Um, something interesting mm-hmm. about the Dungeons and Dragons uh, version of the phoenix is that it is like it ha- it is obsessed with lighting everything it sees on fire. That is literally what it says in the in Volo's Guide to Monsters. And so if it co- if it is summoned from the elemental plane of fire... It doesn't feel very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's summoned go, from the elemental... from celestial good to pyromaniac. Mm-hmm. If it's summoned from the elemental plane of fire, it, w- it will just, like, consume the world. And, you know doomsday cultists want that for some reason i don't i don't know why but they do and that's your job to figure it out yeah so having a phoenix around is a bad thing in that interpretation a very bad thing mm-hmm. uh huh. but reading that and then looking at the stat block um what i learned from it is that the phoenix is very good at ignoring the party it it that specific version of the phoenix <laughs> It will it will be summoned, and the players would be like, "All right, we're gonna stand on this hill and fight it," and it's just gonna fly past the hill because it's like I got more things to burn, and you're not one of them. So mm-hmm. I found I found that interesting. Or you're too difficult to burn. Well, no, we'll, we'll light yeah. you on fire later. Yeah, because like players may drink their potions of heal or potions of fire resistance, and the phoenix tries to burn them. They don't burn, and they're like, "Okay, well, you're you're." You're like five people on a hill when I could be burning the mountain. So I'll be I'll come back. Mm hmm. And then the, it's I, a very dark way. <laughs> it, it's a very interesting interpretation of the Phoenix. Uh, and I, I found it really interesting. Um, but uh, I also like the idea of a combat encounter where it's not fighting you necessarily like it'll hit you. But then it wants to just fly away because it's it's busy. I yeah. thought that could be really oh, that interesting. Would be, yeah, yeah, where it's like you have to like no, you're not like in a one on one combat with this thing or duking it out like you'd normally would. No, you have to chase this thing down and somehow like hit it while it's in the sky or get it down or try to stop it or from just committing it. global. Uh, yeah, you have to stop this thing from committing global arson and single handedly causing doomsday. Mm-hmm. So, very good option for, like, higher-level campaigns. Um, but another thing I noticed while researching more energy phoenixes was that it's not just fire that the that the phoenix can be. One phoenix that I came across that I really loved is the magic card Arclight Phoenix, which is a phoenix Ooh. that is made of lightning. Yes. It was, and, a, it was, a, uh, that was a good one. I think I opened that in a pre-release once. Not good in pre-release, but it's pretty good in other decks. Um, But, like, Magic also showed me that there's a lot of versions of the Phoenix that uh, can be different. So, like, uh, Phoenix of Ash was another one. And 
it's it's also not y- your typical bird. It's a, this one's a vulture, um, and so like I don't know a phoenix of plasma. Like there's just so many different ways where you can just take pure energy and mm-hmm. do stuff with it. To old people or to uh, not old people to uh, prehistoric people, fire was a form of energy. What's energy to us? Yeah, electricity and maybe some other things. Um, yeah, and and as I mentioned, um, League of Legends has the Cryo Phoenix, and I use that in my article as well. So we have an, uh, an ice elemental, or the para elemental of ice is what D and D likes to say, because when you combine two elements, that's a para elemental. So ice is water and wind, I think. So cold. Um, one one that that I came up with was a uh, was the Terra Phoenix, as in an Earth elemental phoenix. Um, that was uh, actually made of sand um, mm. with uh, like it was like a shifting sand phoenix that would um, like it was still flying and stuff. I actually got this from Mario Sunshine. If you guys ever played that, there was a flying sand bird level. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. What if it was just like a shifting sand, like flying phoenix that could basically reform its shape? Because um I was thinking like, okay, so how do you get the, how do you get like, where are the organs and and that kind of stuff of an elemental? And I said, well, it wouldn't have any, right? It would be projecting an elemental image. Um, but there is a core is what I said is an elemental core. So it, everything would have to shift around that core of energy and sort of like the heart, a heart, because there's some interpretations there is Phoenix hearts. So the heart would be, um, the core and, you know, basically the, the, uh, center of everything i also said a flora phoenix um and it's a phoenix that is uh of nature and is literally just created of plants and uh uh, flowers and stuff um that sort of like lives it's like a phoenix druid essentially it just flies around forests protecting them and stuff and again this is just you know things i came up with is destroys cities by overgrowing them like it's just the ultimate paragon of what druids want Right. And uh, I put I put a thing is they always appear in, in they always appear in things of three and they were they all three represent three different flowers, um, pairs of three groups of three. There you go. Pairs two. And the last one I said is a dark phoenix, which I don't think dark phoenix is super original, but essentially taking the positive energy route and turning it into a negative energy phoenix um, oh, that uh, a negative energy phoenix that would um <laughs> unfortunately raised dead wherever it goes um It'd probably be really cold sort of like around a it. catastrophe yeah. yeah um so it was like it was like raining positive energy down like kind of like a carpet bomb of like this negative energy over a graveyard and everything was just popping up from it um i think magic also did... has those kinds of phoenixes actually Yes, uh, I don't think I got a direct inference from that, but I think it is a logical conclusion when you say an en- en- uh, phoenix has healing, healing and positive uh, aspects. You could do a phoenix of negative aspects as well, and that's kind of where I went with that. But I actually didn't have very many variations other than those. Um, so, really cursed fact I'm about to drop on you. Technically, if you had Uh-oh. a phoenix made of ice, it would count as being made of crystal because ice is a crystal structure and technically a mineral. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, 
As for other kinds of energy that, or I guess energy, that could be really interesting to see as a phoenix, I mean, if somebody could get, like, I know we're going back to space again like we did last time, but if somebody could get, like, well, A, like a nebula phoenix would be really cool. Like, it's not quite there to the point where it's, like, burning fire yet, but it's, like, got all the components and it's, I don't know, something like that would be pretty cool. The other thing is, like, a gravity mm-hmm. phoenix, which sounds a Ooh. little weird at first, but, like, maybe it's, like, a black hole phoenix. It, it, it And its elemental core is the black hole. Oh, yes. And it is. Ooh. Okay. And it's that's hungry. A, that's a good option for sci-fi. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And another option for a phoenix would be an undead phoenix. So a phoenix that failed at the the resurrection process. I think, oh yeah, having a phoenix that failed at the resurrection process could be how you get your dark phoenix with necrotic energy. I think that'd be a pretty cool way to have them kind of exist. And if you have, if you're you're doing a, like, uh, if in your world there's only a set amount of phoenixes, or there's like the alpha phoenix and then kind of the baby phoenixes where like, they don't just instantly regenerate. They have the nest situation. I think it would be pretty interesting mm-hmm. to have, like, I mean, if you wanted to have a few quests or an arc based around, hey, all these phoenixes are failing to properly reincarnate, and now we're starting to slowly build up all these necrotic phoenixes that are raising the dead everywhere, and this is a problem, that could be a pretty interesting arc or campaign premise. Oh, that... That would be really cool, especially in a high magic setting where there's a lot of powerful characters. So, like, there's one necrotic phoenix raising a couple zombies. It's okay. Every village has a cleric. They can take care of it. But then more keep on happening. You have to investigate why there's undead phoenixes. That could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, one thing that, you know, I'm not very good at thinking of cyberpunk or steampunk stuff. It's not a genre that I really enjoy or go back to very often but doing these exercises of like okay so how can we think of putting things in different settings phoenix has always been a very good as a concept so i could see in a cyberpunk or or, or future setting phoenix is being more of a concept of a group or anything is like you know we we are rising from the ashes of ourselves and we will continue you know not too different from what we said with the hydra but um I could also see, like, if you had, like, a steampunk phoenix, it's, like, being held together by, like, these steam, essentially, right? So you have this bird, this steam bird that is, you know, the elemental energy is sort of like the steam and that kind of stuff. But uh, in order for it to actually harm and do things, it has to have the metal parts. So to actually work with stuff, you know, I'm not really good with that setting, but like I could see that being a thing. So what I was thinking is if you want to have like a steam Phoenix or just like, you know, like any Phoenix of energy, like even just a regular Phoenix that is always hot could produce steam if they put it next to like a a water cooler. And um, Mm. so I could see and especially since steampunk uh, can deal with themes of uh, corporate greed they could like take the mm-hmm. phoenix and put it in a metal box themselves, which then heats up the water Aww. and creates steam for their own contraption. So like maybe a giant steam mech. I don't know steampunk super well, but I like to imagine it. What steampunk is the tra- And so like ma- so totally Doctor Robotniking the phoenix. 
Exactly. I think, yeah. And again, just because I'm coming back to moral dilemmas because I like to make my players think instead of just sitting around killing things all the time. I think if you wanted to do that in this case with like your steam phoenix that's powering something, maybe you have a city that's being powered by a phoenix and the phoenix is suffering for it. The phoenix is kind of like, you know, in agony at this and it can't go anywhere. It's kind of poorly being taken care of. But it's kind of doomed to this, but mm-hmm. everybody around it's prospering because free energy. What do you do as a party coming in from the outside? Mm-hmm. Well, mm. except except there'd be some corporate guy charging everybody for their Phoenix energy. Because that's how, that's how owning things works. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but they could definitely do it um, cheaper. I mean... And I think they'd have a lot more power, maybe. Because phoenixes are in like there's a good in yeah in 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 theory phoenixes are supposed to be supremely like I guess not supremely but rather powerful entities so yeah yeah I I could see or it's like a an old old phoenix like it's been there for centuries and it's only just now starting to suffer and now like what do we do now like we've been operating like this for hundreds of years our city was established on this idea of a phoenix and then. Now something's wrong with the Phoenix. Do we let it go and learn a new way of life? Or do we keep it here and let it suffer and ignore its pleas? Like you could, you could even do that from an internal standpoint of the city itself. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You do want to look at it as like, I mean, you hopefully are looking at it more of a, this Phoenix willingly came here, but now it's so ingrained and it wants to leave and we don't really want to let it because what do we do now? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we change our ways? Um, speaking about corporate greed, if you ever want a good interpretation of how to use that in your in your game, I heavily suggest watching uh, the Lorax movie uh-huh. that recently came out. Very good because the guy sells air. <laughs> yeah, it's oh not so God. recent anymore. I think the Lorax. Was it, yeah, no, it's not recent. It's not recent. All right, it's recent to me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's valid. I'm I'm definitely on the younger end here. Same. <laughs> hey, hey, at 33, that's recent. <laughs> 2012 is recent. Uh, it feels recent. I mean, that was the what? The Wii U? That's when it came out? That's only one console generation behind, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not too far behind. I'm, I'm starting to, like, feel like we're... Or what else do we want to say? I mean, phoenixes are incredible monsters that, um, unfortunately, a lot of times in tabletop RPGs get shafted. Um, Fifth edition didn't even include them uh, to begin with. Uh, And even though they're relatively an iconic creature that, you know, we see even in modern day interpretations from, you know, I think there's even a company. It's Phoenix something. There's uh, actually no. I know where I got that from. Phoenix Manufacturing is like the name of the factory that I go to that makes face masks right now is a, is a third party support group. Like um, the concept of a Phoenix is not necessarily a new thing. We got a whole city in Nevada yeah. named after the, the capital, the, the capital city of a state. Yeah. And, you know, like a Phoenix is. Wait, no, it's, it's really Arizona, interesting not Nevada, I, but. Sorry, just sorry. I want the fans coming at us in the DMs. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I missed that I've been one saying too. The so like, time. <laughs> oops. Yeah, you're right. Um, so be, yeah, we have a whole city in the United States named after the Phoenix and that kind of stuff, and of course their sports teams uh, as well. And um, so like, it's not that it's an unknown creature, but like, it's it's interesting that it sort of takes a backseat to a lot of other creatures in D and D, even though it has such a I don't know, deep roots in a lot of a lot of different culture, including the, the Chinese one. It's the one I know about, not just because of Mulan, but it does appear. Um, there's a phoenix fighting something. I'm not thinking of the dragon versus the tiger, but there's a phoenix. They have phoenix interpreted as storks a lot, I think, don't they? In Usually something more graceful, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the reason the phoenix has been neglected in Dungeons & Dragons is because it... It's a lot more, I think the Phoenix as a tool, like as a dungeon master's tool, it's best used as world building. It's uh, mm. just the way that the Phoenix interacts with the world and with everything around it. Because Phoenixes usually aren't meant to be fought. They are mystical beings, like they're, they're wonderful creatures, uh, but they're, it's very unlikely that you're going to be trying to kill one unless you're evil and so in that case you're more likely to be defending the phoenix if you're playing you know a good party although an sure. evil t uh evil campaign where you go and kill a phoenix could also be pretty fun too um but like or or you're stopping a necrotic phoenix or or, or stopping a necrotic the, phoenix yeah. exactly but i think phoenix is Stop like a plague of necrotic phoenixes a plague <laughs> i think for phoenixes it's important that uh, you incorporate them into your world building, it, even if you don't think the players will ever fight them. So having them in heraldry, sure. having them in the, like as a name of a city, like I mean, we we've done that in the real world. It's not that weird for it, their city to be called named Phoenix in uh, in the world where phoenixes exist. Just like kings trying to hunt down phoenixes, I think phoenixes are a great tool, not necessarily. A great foe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree yeah, on I get that. that. If you're gonna, and I agree. They're a lot harder to work into combat because they're not just something you'd want to go at and hit because they're not just. I mean, I guess they're not just mindless monsters like some of the ones that you'd encounter in D and D, and they're not inherently antagonistic like some of the others. So mm -hmm. if you want players to legitimately encounter one in a combat setting, it would take a lot more work. Sure. Yeah. And and I think that's that's one thing I like to push in a lot of my stuff is that I don't no monster is an entirely mindless, even if you're fighting like a wolf, right? Even a wolf has a, you know, as much as that's a quintessential like, hey, here's an enemy fight it, uh, even though it is an animal. Um, intelligence is not something that it is portrayed very well, especially in D&D. Uh, and that kind of thing is, you know, we think of non-human intelligence as too stupid to do anything, but like, um, you know, a Phoenix is not only supposed to be intelligent, but like in incredibly intelligent. So, you know, going to combat you know, isn't always the best option, especially compared to the usually, um, geared to the teeth party <laughs> that, you know, that can take down, you know, sometimes a dragon or stuff, depending on the level you're at or whatever. And 
Um, I definitely see a Phoenix as a non-combat encounter for the majority of what it is. And, and unfortunately, D&D sort of has been driving towards combat for a long time, especially since I would say 4th edition, uh, even 3rd edition, really heavily focused on combat. Um, Pathfinder has the same problems. I am not as well aware of other, uh, can you know, settings as well, but, you know, stat block where it doesn't exist is sort of some people's idea of a D and D monster any anymore sometimes. So I'd be, I'd be excited to hear, you know, how people have used Phoenixes in their game. I have yet to use a Phoenix myself, uh, personally. Um, it just never, it never fit the theme I was going for, for anything yet. Um, but they are indeed in my world. Um, I have thought them out. I haven't used I just, Phoenixes either, but I am definitely going to try to use a T-Rex Phoenix at the soonest possible a time. <laughs> yeah. Something like a T-Rex Phoenix with like a Microraptor Phoenix as a buddy, just kind of scouting for it. Be wild. Because Microraptors are like a foot tall. They got wings on their legs. This thing just kind of mm-hmm. going around scouting for its big brother and they work together would be an interesting encounter. That's awesome. Uh, and you se- essentially can't kill them. Period. <laughs> well, my computer's going to die soon, so I think it's a good time for the <laughs> outro. <laughs> yeah, that's good good enough for me. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Phoenix's for you. Um, real quick, Tuesday, what are we talking about next week or next time? So next case. week, I am very excited. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Rakshasa, which is the uh, a Middle Eastern uh, like myth of a like a tiger humanoid, which has their hands put mm-hmm. on backwards. Very interesting creature. Lots of things to discuss there. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge for me. I'm, gonna um, have, I'm excited. I have not read Nico on that one. I I, yeah. I have a great connection between golden dragons and rakshasas in one of my oldest articles, which uh, is part of the reason why I love. I am definitely going to be using it. I'm in gonna my gold dragon article yeah. coming out. I've got to go do some digging on rakshasa lore. Well, good place yeah, to start with the uh, ecology of I, the gold dragon by Tuesday Tastic <laughs> five years ago. Woo. Hey, no, that's, I mean, I looked at it there because of your suggestion. And yeah, I, it's it's getting incorporated into mine. Um, I can only think of one video game reference to a Rixasa. Uh, and I'll talk about it then. Uh, which I don't even think it's even in the right reference. They think that I think they, you know, because they're a game company. I think they stuck the monster in the wrong mythology. Well, we can uh, talk about that more next time. Yeah, no, I'm just excited. I'm excited. So, yeah, so the Rakshasa. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, this is Fortran. You can catch me at Hunter's Hub Pod uh, to follow news for this show and the other shows we do, the weekly gaming show. Uh, the, you know, we have the weekly D&D. It's unfortunately on, on hiatus. And then we have the semi-regular magic set review. We just did the uh, Thor set. Um I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, I had it, but uh, we just did the, uh, yeah, the Thor-ish set of magic. And then we are, we also do a every once in a while, full game sort of book club thing. We're doing age, uh, high rewards, age of calamity, and we uh, already have our next game lined up. So we're going to be doing that. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And um, 
where can we find uh, Tuesday? Uh, where can we find you? You can. I, I write articles on my website, uh, www.onlyontuesdays27.com. And you can also catch me on Twitter at TuesdayTastic. Okay. And uh, Doom, where do we find you? You can find some of my art when I actually remember to post it uh, on uh, at underscore impending underscore doom on Instagram. And I'll be trying to get better about that because I do a lot of assorted tabletop monsters and whatnot for fun. So, Mm -hmm. and if you guys are using it for like a campaign setting, you guys can feel free to grab those photos. And uh, an amazing character sketch for yourself. That was, that was a really good one you shared the other day. Oh yeah. I, I, I do have fun drawing D and D characters. I'm really proud of him. He's actually up on my Instagram because I remembered to put it. Yeah. Excellent. So um, definitely um, join our Discord, too. Um, if you find me on the Twitter, the at Hunter Pod, it's there a couple times. I don't... Considering my only interactions with the public are Discord and Twitter, usually. Uh, if you're curious, um, you can go ahead and hit us up, you know, anywhere you can find a comment, and I'll get you on the Discord, because we do talk about this stuff on the Discord as well. Um, you know, anything from video games to monster, you know, primarily monster hunter lately let's not let's not lie um but also dungeons and dragons and stuff comes up quite a lot uh all of us play a various amount of dungeons and dragons of course talk about monsters so that's what this show's about so uh thank you guys for listening and have a good night